May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight and conducive for all of our growth. Amen. Good morning and slightly warmer greetings from Atlanta and Morehouse. And from our president, Dr. John S. Wilson, who is three times a Harvard man. How honored and privileged I am to stand in this pulpit at the invitation of Professor Jonathan Walton, of whom we're very proud at Morehouse, and we believe he is a worthy successor to our beloved Peter John Gomes. Let me read for the text for the sermon for the morning, the first two verses of chapter 6 from Galatians. Only I'm going to read to you a blended first two verses from three translations. And this is what it says. My friends, if anyone should do something wrong, is detected in a transgression, are overtaken in a fault, on a sudden impulse, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. On this Martin Luther King Jr. Sunday, I'm inspired by these words of Paul from the letter of Galatians to invite you to think with me from the topic, Where the Moral Ark Bends. Now some of you will remember how Dr. King popularized Theodore Parker's famous quote, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And many of you will recall that President Barack Obama thought this quote so significant that he had it stitched around the border of the new carpet in the Oval Office. This was to be a constant influence on public policy. Today, I want to preach about where the moral arc bends and about the key to a life well lived, a personal ministry built on acts of gentleness and kindness not only as reference points for future encounters with darkness, but also as power points for our efforts to truly create justice for all. For many of us, there is a seeming tension between kindness and justice. This tension is rooted in our misconception 
that justice always includes punishment. The idea that when someone does something wrong, they must pay for their sins. But at its highest and best, justice is about gentleness and kindness. Dr. King reminds us in this regard that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The light of God's love is unmerited favor. It is God's grace. Wherever and whenever you bring the light of God's gentleness and kindness into the appearance of darkness, a shift happens. The moral arc bends toward justice and reconciliation, which is inclusivity. We must ask ourselves some important questions. Where are the exemplars with the resolve to heal intolerable wounds? Where are the counterforces to disrespect for people and our planet that can build the world we want? Where are the fresh starting points for creating new conditions for bending the moral arc? Where are the birthplaces of something new being set in motion? And where does the long moral arc bend toward intimate social and global justice. Where the moral arc bends is you as exemplars standing at the choice point for actualizing consciousness expanding and life enhancing intentions. This is the intersection where, when, and how an enlightened society is created. Each of us will be measured by how we show up and shine God's light in the world. You and I are the miraculous emanations of God walking on the earth. If we don't choose to walk in our vision of the ideal world, it is not going to manifest. Where the moral arc bends, even ever so slightly, there always are exemplars of enduring goodness. Men and women with virtuous spirits who make their mark on history.
We saw this demonstrated poignantly by the families of the victims of Charleston, South Carolina after that massacre. Just 72 hours after Dylan Roof's attack of racist terrorism, they expressed love and forgiveness toward someone many people felt deserved only condemnation, not kindness. On two separate occasions, following the violent attack at Mother Emanuel AME Church, a faculty member and a student ran into my office at Morehouse and shouted at me, why did the family members of the nine victims have to forgive Dylan Roof so quickly? They let the whites off the hook of their guilt even before we've had time to properly grieve. That's what was shouted at me. The reactions of the faculty member and the student brought immediately to my mind Martin Luther King Jr.'s strategy and way of life of deliberate nonviolence. I think that Dr. King would have responded by saying to the faculty member and the student, forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on the evil act. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains a barrier to the relationship. The families of the Charleston Nine, through their grace, love, care, forgiveness, and mercy, gave us all the fearlessness to dare to hope because they gave us something we could build on in this life. That is probably why, in part, Charleston did not look like Ferguson. The people of Charleston created a visible, virtuous moment in nation building, a moment that exemplified where, when, and how the moral arc bends toward peace and justice. The reactions of the faculty member and the student also brought to mind Archbishop Desmond Tutu's Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. That commission was designed for many people who needed kindness so they could find healing. It was not created to punish known criminals. We should be immensely grateful this morning to the black South African mothers, wives, and grandmothers who were victims of apartheid violence 
they, with Nelson Mandela, were the first to introduce the language of forgiveness, gentleness, mercy, and kindness in their encounters with the perpetrators of gross human rights violations, people who had killed members of their families. If you can bear unbearable sorrows with kindness, then the moral arc will bend as you free a whole nation like South Africa from a racial bloodbath. The professors and the students' reactions brought to mind the people and institutions who introduced and unfortunately still perpetuate apartheid, American segregation, xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, and bigotry. People who are obstinate and intolerant believers in religion and political theory over the inherent dignity and sacredness of all personhood. All of these people especially need gentleness, kindness, and extra consideration for us to co-create the ultimate beloved economic world community and experience the dignity of difference. Benjamin E. Mays, the sixth president of Morehouse College, preached and published a sermon titled, Be Kind to Judas. Mays reminds us that we should respect the humanity of everyone even of our betrayers and oppressors. That is why we should be kind to people in power, even when they are unethical. Kindness is timely help. It is the responsibility of all leaders to guarantee timely help to the infirm, the poor, the jobless, the lonely, the misunderstood, the disinherited, the different, the uninsured, the uneducated, the marginalized. All of us have some limitations, infirmities, and needs that we cannot escape unaided. The moral arc bends where and when the window of the heart opens, an uncommonly strong, uncommonly committed, uncommonly involved, uncommonly willing persons, the true exemplars of justice, subvert their own egos to achieve the common good. My philosophy of religion teacher, 
at Boston University, the late Peter A. Pertacci, defines virtue, the virtue of kindness, as the willingness to help others who are needy in such a way that they may still experience values of which they are capable. Kindness is a virtue for the creation of value. We are here for what the Soka Gakkai International, my Nichiren Buddhist friends, call value creation. Expressions of kindness prevent devaluing, disrespecting, and demonizing. Now, if you have not been listening, I want you to increase your hearing power. Because Martin Luther King, Jr., the man we honor today, showed us how all that I'm talking about is done. A white man walked up to Dr. King in public and asked, Are you the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr.? To which Dr. King answered, Yes, I am. The white man then spat in Dr. King's face. Dr. King reached into his back pocket, took out a handkerchief, and wiped the saliva off of his face. Neatly folded the handkerchief and handed it to the man and said, I think this belongs to you. Now, at this instance, the moral arc of the universe bent. Martin King's ego was out of the picture, and kindness and compassion reigned supreme. Dr. King's response did not insult the man who had spat in his face. He didn't put him down. He rendered unto the man what belonged to him. King understood that people don't have enemies. They have friends and neighbors with different definitions of experience. Refusing to give negative intentionality, refusing to see negative intentionality in other people's mistakes is the door to being able to forgive. Forgiveness is the key to self-emancipation and spiritual liberation. The moral arc always bends with deliberate intent, not natural impulse. It is natural to hate and fight one's so-called enemies. But authentic spirituality, real religion, virtue ethics lived, is a call to transform existence. The human condition is an inescapable we. Together, we suffer. Together, 
we exist. And forever, we will recreate each other. King was proactive, not reactive. In the face of intimate violence, objective and intelligent expression of concern, non-egotistical concern, intimately, socially, and globally, is true kindness. And it requires much more than a susceptibility to emotion and rage. Kindness actualized as a core principle sends a message to the Dillon roofs of the world that you may have hurt the victims' families, but they are the true victors because they have not been destroyed. If you can suffer without becoming bitter, you have turned suffering into a virtue. Then, and only then, does unearned suffering become redemptive. Dr. King did not believe that suffering itself is redemptive. He believed that suffering can be made redemptive if oppressed people struggle against it with dignity and as a byproduct oppressors repent of their evil. There is no room for blame in your life as long as you live with kindness. When you let or allow your life to turn, evolve, respond, or bend from the norm of love, which makes all virtue possible, you move the moral arc of the universe to bend toward justice and nonviolence. When you bend, the moral arc bends. And God accomplishes all things through the high vibration of your willingness. The moral arc bends on the little virtuous hinges that swing the greatest gates toward the realization of fairness, equity, integrity, honesty, decency, reasonableness rightfulness, respect, gentleness, kindness, justice, and peace. It is only as we live in conscious union with ultimate spirit and consciously let God work through us that we really live. When one practices kindness and courtesy, everything moves toward more humane values, harmony, and peace. But remember, we do not attract what we want. We attract what we are. So make kindness become what you are. You cannot give away what you don't possess. And you cannot have what you are not willing to be. 
Justice is an inside job. The peace that you want in yourself and the peace that you want in the world is born from compassionate emotions like gentleness and kindness. And so, on this King Sunday, I want to encourage you to embrace an expanding awareness of the consciousness that motivates you to lovingly sense where and when help is needed. The church is less a noun than a verb, which means that it is wherever justice and peace, harmony and constant good, and respect for all humanity are practiced. The moral arc will bend when we begin to see members of the NRA not as enemies, but as people who are afraid, people who, if we love them enough, may no longer need to or want to seek safety in the ownership of guns. So finally, search your personhood and find the core of your love nature. Experience the highest expression of loving attunement with your transcendent source, God. In this way, you will be guided, governed, gifted, and graced by the eternal presence of God within you, bending the moral arc toward the fulfillment of nonviolent justice. As love equally distributed in radical acts of kindness expressed in, as, and through all of us in its most divine, feminine, and sacred masculine exemplars of gentleness, then you fulfill the law of Christ as the innumerable infinite rays of light that we are. Let everyone say, Amen.